The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Leach Report for a Monday from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. And it was right here on this very program on Friday where we told you to expect a blowout Kentucky win out at Allen Fieldhouse. So just had a feeling that the, the Cats were just going to take control of this one from start to finish and never look back. Yeah, uh, don't don't check the podcast on that. Uh, <laughs> wow, what a performance for Kentucky. We'll talk about it today with... Mark Story of the Lexington Herald-Leader and Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, Keon Brooks in particular um, with a career-best 27-point performance. At one point, he scored 15 consecutive points for Kentucky in the second half. Kansas uh, tried uh, zone, uh, tried a little triangle and two. And uh, at one point, there was a stretch where Kentucky was struggling a little bit, and Keon uh, kept them going, and then uh, Kansas got as close as 14, and then Kentucky pushed it right back out, and, and that was uh, game set and match at that point. Um, Oscar Shibway came up with 17 and 11, his eighth consecutive double-figure rebounding game. It was, uh, doing a little research, the longest stretch I can, can find uh, going back better than that. Uh, I think DeMarcus Cousins had nine straight in 2010. And Dan Issel had 12 straight in 1970. Kentucky locked down Kansas All-America candidate uh, Ochiabaji, 13 points on 4 of 14 shooting. He had three points in the first half. He was a non-factor in the game. Uh, so certainly should, uh, the way Oscar played, help uh, his Player of the Year candidacy in a uh, showdown with another candidate for that honor. Uh, just... A lot to like, obviously, about Kentucky's performance in the win at Kansas. It was uh, Kentucky's most lopsided win ever against a top-five team on the road. It was the first win over an AP top-five opponent in a true road game since uh, the uh, December of 2014 when uh, the Cats won at number 4 Louisville. Um, Kentucky's first win in that field house since 1983. Um, Kentucky's, I think, second Largest margin of victory uh, at uh, Allen Fieldhouse. That '83 team won by uh, 22. So, I mean, you could go through a, lo- a lot of stats that could tell you how impressive it was. But just if, this is one where, you, if you just watched it, you didn't know any numbers. You would uh, know how impressive Kentucky was in this game. John Calipari made the uh, very uh, point after the game that they were healthy. His guards were healthy. Uh, and stayed in the game. Uh, now, Ty uh, Ty Washington, I don't think, was at full strength, but he was able to play over 30 minutes and uh, played pretty well. Didn't shoot it well, but um, had uh, good numbers as far as uh, you know, assists to turnover and uh, defending his man and those kinds of things. Keon Brooks, after the game, uh, said the, the players were looking to make a statement with this one. Yeah, that's what was one of our main focuses as a team. Um, we've went to some very tough environments against some, some ranked opponents on the road, and we didn't come out with a win. 
no matter what the circumstances, whether people were getting hurt or not, we we knew we didn't get it done. And we knew we had an opportunity tonight, getting everybody back healthy to uh, play a really good team that's coached really, really well. You just wanted to see how good we were, and um, we went in and made a statement. Indeed, they did. Um, So we'll see uh, how far they go up in the national polls today when they come out. I would certainly think they would go into the top ten. Super Bowl matchup is set. Rams maybe were expected to be there. And it's the Bengals who will be their opponent. How about that? Uh, Incredible second-half performance and overtime by Cincinnati to hold the the Chiefs to three points after halftime. Bengals were down 21-3 to three late in the second quarter, 21-10 at halftime. It seemed like that when the Chiefs uh, blew that uh, situation right at the end of the half when they should have at least had three points, they ran a play with no timeouts. They got stopped short of the end zone, and they didn't get a chance to uh, kick a field goal. It seemed like, to me anyway, that got into Patrick Mahomes' head. I don't think he was uh, as good after that in the second half. Uh, maybe it was uh, you know, just credited to the Cincinnati defense, which uh, played uh, very well. But anyway, Bengals, Rams, could have been Bengals 49ers, which would have been funny because the other two times the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, the 49ers were the team that beat them. But uh, the 49ers let it slip away late, and the uh, Bengals and the Rams will be our Super Bowl matchup in uh, a little less than two weeks on the Rams' home turf. Reports in Alabama say Nick Saban is trying to hire away Kentucky O-line coach Eric Walford. Um, a lot of the reports say it's uh, pretty close to happening, so we'll see. Number 12, LSU over the Kentucky women yesterday, 78-69. Kentucky falls to 2-6 and six in league play. Ryan Howard, 23-12, and 12, and she becomes the number two player on the scoring list all-time for Kentucky women's basketball with her sights set on uh, Valerie Still. Passing uh, Adia Mathis with this performance yesterday, unfortunately, in a losing cause. Coming up, we'll chat with Mark Story and then uh, Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Our links to our stories we talk about in this opening segment. You can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Wildcat News of the Day, a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. You can get gift cards if uh, you have uh, an occasion coming up that you need one for. If you have a special occasion coming up, like an anniversary, birthday, Valentine's Day, get those reservations made at Giuseppe's for a memorable dining experience. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show for a Monday as we welcome in Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader, KentuckySports.com. And uh, fresh off uh, another uh, well done job on. Uh, managing the Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year voting, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But just congratulations on uh, another uh, good year with the with the, uh, the contest. Isn't the right word? I don't know, but with the story. Well, thanks, Tom. It's uh, it's a very large project, and it's uh, gotten larger in recent years, and it take it's very labor intensive. So I appreciate I your, uh, your your recognition. I heard the commercial you did for your book, and I meant to tell you that I gave it to my mom for uh, Christmas, and she had finished it in two days. Oh, well, good for her and you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's uh, our goal was just to uh, make it uh, just something fun, easy read. So. Hopefully we uh, we hit the mark. 
Um, in fact, I want to say it gives me a chance to say thank you to the folks that came out yesterday up in uh, Franklin, Ohio. Mike and I drove up to his old stomping grounds. Um, it's near. It's not far from Dayton, and then there's a. The, the group, uh, you probably went up and spoke to the U.K. convention that Jim Porter ran for many years up there that uh, focused on U.K. sports once every summer for all the Kentucky fans that uh, were in that part of the world. And uh, so we had to meet some of them yesterday out at Mom's Restaurant in Franklin. So we thank Mom for hosting. Um, so that was a uh, fun little excursion yesterday on a pretty day for a drive. Uh, let's talk some Kentucky basketballs. Mike and I did a little bit on the drive yesterday. Um Obviously, hard not to be very impressed by what you saw on Saturday night. As I said to Cal in the postgame, you know, that doesn't happen often in that building. So what kind of statement did it make to you? Well, it was a pretty strong statement. Certainly, Kentucky stamped itself among the teams that are every bit a legitimate Final Four contender, if not better than that. I was been looking back sort of through the uh, history of Kentucky uh, wins versus ranked teams on John Scott's website trying to find a game that I thought had kind of the same impact in terms of animating the fan base and maybe changing a little bit the way you look at a team. And, and I, you know, I, I may go back to the 2003 win when they beat Florida. Florida came in as number one in Rupp Arena, and they just, Kentucky just ran them out of, ran, ran them out of, the, ran them out of Rupp that night to a game that had the same impact, I think, in the way you know, fans sort of look at a team. It's interesting you say that because uh, Shannon and I were just talking about it off air uh, in between segments, and uh, I, I said that's the one that came to my mind, that uh, just because they dominated that game from start to finish, uh, you know, Florida never really made much of a serious run in the same way here with Kansas. So it's it's interesting we came up with the uh, with the same one. And this one was, was on the road, which makes it even more impressive. Yeah, not just on the road, at Allen yeah. Fieldhouse, you know, one of the historic venues in college basketball and a place where under Bill Self, Kansas just doesn't lose. And not only did they lose, they just got whacked. We'll see a lot of uh, coverage of, of odds and things leading up to the Super Bowl and bets and different things. Here's one for you. I wonder what the, the, uh, the odds would have been on this. At the beginning of the season, I tell you there's going to be uh, at the, you know, at this point, roughly two thirds of the way through the season, there are going to be four different players on this Kentucky team that have scored at least twenty five points in a game, and none of them are named Kellen Grady. <laughs> yeah, that would uh, I, I would have lost that one if someone had, had, had if I had engaged in that wager. It uh, speaks to the the balance and Calipari's best teams uh, usually have guys like that. I know the the twenty twelve team. I think they had six different guys that scored uh, twenty or more in a game after I think Marcus Teague was the last one to join the club in the NCAA tournament. But that's the balance that, that he usually likes to have on his teams. Yeah, the, the 2012 team was, you know, just ridiculously balanced. And Calipari likes to tell us, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, who was nowhere close to leading that team in shots attempted, even as the quote-unquote star of the team, you know, I thought the guy who really played well, obviously the guy who really played well at Kansas was Keon Brooks. And I was happy for Keon to get to have that kind of game on that kind of stage. But I thought the guy who sort of quietly made that thing go was Severe Wheeler. I thought he played really well just in terms of getting the ball where it needed to get when it needed to be there. You you make a very good point. I was thinking about him. We, Yeah, w- watching him play, he'll you know, just be flying up the court. 
uh, or going down, uh, you know, through the through the lane. I uh, was Mike and I were talking about it during the broadcast. There's, I think I, I I pulled out the name Drew Brees that just the first came into my head of thinking of quarterbacks who are smaller in stature and have to find a way to find those passing lanes. They usually call it. Dusty Bonner was a guy like that here that you don't have to be six four six five uh, that uh, you can still be successful. Um, but you have to have, uh, um, I guess it's just tremendous vision and, and maybe knowledge of, you know, where your, uh, teammates are going to be. Uh, you know, when Severe's flying down the court, <laughs> this analogy popped into my head recently. I said, it's something like, you know, in those movies like Top Gun or something where, uh, the, the pilot is in a, uh, fighter plane and they lock on the radar and it beeps. It, I wonder if his head is like that for finding people. It's amazing. Well, it's, inter- it it's interesting. I, I've been actually thinking about this. His peripheral vision yeah. and his ability to process information quickly must both just be off the charts because he makes some passes that it, where there doesn't appear to be, you know, any, you know, any clear, you know, straight vision that he sees what's there, but yet he's able to see it. You know, obviously, sometimes you know he gets in trouble in those situations, but it, it, it's amazing what he, what he's able to do. I always think great passers, and I, I, I you know, go back to a, a guy of my uh, uh, probably in his early 70s. That was one of my favorite early players was uh, Ernie DiGregorio at Providence that uh, was just a tremendous passer. Um, and I always think great passers, kind of like in a chess game, see one or two moves ahead um, because they can kind of you know anticipate where somebody's going to be without – necessarily maybe having to to see them and it seems like severe has that quality yeah there's no question you know it's, it's interesting you kentucky hasn't lost in a game where it gets to the end of the game with its starting guards in the game you know since that notre dame game you know when, when you have severe and tie tie both out there together and i mean it, this is a really good team and you know the tie tie what was one for nine at kansas but yet his presence, I think, helped open things up, and, and, and his floor game was good. And, you know, I, maybe we'll get another chance to see Kentucky and Auburn in the SEC tournament. And, you know, I'm not, I have ample respect for Auburn, so I'm not going to say for sure Kentucky would have won that game had Ty Ty not gotten hurt. But we do know Kentucky was in control of that game when he got yeah. hurt. Absolutely. And uh, I would like to see that uh, rematch on uh, Sunday afternoon down in in Tampa. Uh, 24 after the top of the hour. Chat with Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader, KentuckySports.com. And we'll uh, take a break and continue here in just a moment on the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Back with Mark Story from the Lexington Herald Leader. It's at Mark C. Story on Twitter. We're talking about the uh, Kentucky Sports Figure of the Year uh, story that played out last week with Wondell Robinson uh, winning in a, uh, a close race. Uh, and there were, yes, there were some years, Mark, in, uh, of voted in this uh fortunately had the opportunity for for many years as a lot of media members around the state have there's some years where you know it's who it's going to be uh it's like aj reed's years one that comes to mind uh or maybe justin thomas other years uh and this was maybe the one where there were maybe the most 
candidates that you could make a strong case for to be in the number one slot. Um, so it uh, was was a you know a challenge from that standpoint. And you know, I've I won. Everybody kind of has their own. Uh, you don't tell them what to to consider for the title of sports figure of the year. It can be accomplishment. It can also be, I, I guess, for some impact, right? And those are can be two different things. Yeah, we excuse me. We give the voters a lot of leeway in terms of how how to pick this. Other than some just basic qualifications, mostly we just eliminate Cincinnati professional athletes who might happen to live in Northern Kentucky, and we have some rules and regulations for who from horse racing is eligible. Otherwise, it's pretty much in the eye of the voters. Uh, it, the kind of the prevailing uh, tension in the voting tends to be: Are you picking the person who had the biggest impact on sports in Kentucky, or are you picking the person who had the greatest individual sports achievements with a tangible tie to Kentucky? I think usually the former wins out in the history of the award, and and, and I think probably that would be the case this year. That uh, Wandale people who voted for Wandale would would probably have been voting more on the former category in terms of impact in Kentucky as opposed to purely you know, just greatest individual sports achievement, although Wandell's individual sports achievements were obviously at a very high level. Yeah, and, and on the accomplishment side, you know, Sidney McLaughlin, uh, Madison Lilly, um, I think Craig Skinner uh, is, is a coach. Uh, you could certainly Mark Stoops ended up in the top three. Um, and you, uh, But... Um, you had a little bit of a male-female uh, dynamic that came up, and I think Leah Edmond was the first to, to raise it on Twitter. Very valid point that uh, maybe people need to, um, you know, take a little longer look sometimes at uh, some on, on the accomplishment side. So it, it's nothing that nobody's wrong or right, but uh, it, it definitely gives you some things to think about. Well, I think Sydney McLaughlin, if she were still at UK or if she had been born in Kentucky as opposed to New Jersey would have won this going away. I think her level of achievement was at that level. The history of this, no professional athlete competing outside Kentucky who was not born in Kentucky has ever won this. She came closer to doing it than Lamar Jackson did in his MVP year or Anthony Davis did just two years ago when he helped LeBron James and the Lakers win the NBA championship. It's just, the, you know, the, the winner of this tends to either be inside Kentucky or have grown up in Kentucky. Mark Story, thank you much. Thanks, Tom. Halfway home on the Leach Report. And we are served up by Wild Eggs and Hamburg and Palomar. For breakfast, brunch, or lunch, nobody eats Wild Eggs. Pal Tucker, when we come back. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Same thing I eat every game. Chicken, salmon, mashed potatoes. And try to drink a Gatorade in the water before every game, and then uh, I don't know. I was just I just felt good tonight. The first question out of the box in the post game media session with Keon Brooks on Saturday was uh, something to the effect of, "What did you eat today?" <laughs> uh, so it turns out it wasn't the the food that did it. Uh, Kyle Tucker of theAthletic.com. Um, so this was uh, an otherworldly performance by number 12. And uh, you did a story that's up at theathletic.com where you went up into the nosebleed section of Allen Fieldhouse to find uh, Keon Brooks' dad. 
Yeah, and that, the re- I asked him that uh, that question about what he ate because I said the last thing I said to his dad after we talked for a while. I said, "What are you gonna? What's the first thing you're gonna say to Keon when you see him after the game?" He said, "I'm gonna ask him what he ate before the game because <laughs> he needs to eat that again." But I guess it wasn't the food. He he he. Uh, yeah, as he was going crazy. I mean, it, I, I'm looking at a lot of those pictures. There are some incredible pictures that came out of that game of Keon. He had multiple dunks that were high flying, crazy dunks. The one that was the sort of the iconic looking one. Some some great shots of that one where he looks like he's levitating, and everybody around him is kind of like looking up in awe. Um, that the lobby caught from Severe right before the half was was incredible. But it's, there's so many pictures from, of him from that night that are just like it's a beautiful framing in that in that uh, uh, gorgeous old arena, Allen Fieldhouse, or obviously a legendary place. It, it it just it lent itself to some cool pictures, and you have this huge win and this career game for Keon. It was like an out of body experience for him. I mean, it, we'd seen some really strong performances. He had a 20 and 10 game or whatever against Tennessee last year, but nothing like this. And uh, as that was going on, um, I thought I, I'm gonna I gotta see if his parents are here. I uh, found out his dad was there, and then I went on the search looking. He was actually behind where the media were sitting up in the corner, and he was almost in the very back row in the corner uh, at the top of uh, Allen Fieldhouse. And so I went up there and just talked to him about what it was like to – I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to watch your son who who has not followed the traditional path at Kentucky. He's a five-star recruit who only started nine games in the first two years he was there and, and you know has never averaged more than ten points a game. He's never been the focal point. You know, he's been a, a, a real up-and-down player for Kentucky um, and, and never really a big scorer. And then he goes off and scores 27 uh, and really wins them. Not wins. They, they were they were playing well all the way around. But when Kansas made its run and that place got rocking again, he was the one who dropped the hammer uh, for Kentucky, scoring 15 straight points in the second half. It was like, I wonder what it's like to watch your son do that. <laughs> so I went up and went up and found him and asked him. Keon is the anti-analytic guy in a way, right? Shooting all those twos. No, gosh, yeah. I mean, he, he's Mr. Two-Point Jump Shot. And, you know, the the old-school purists of basketball will say that's the, that's the lost art, right, the mid-range jump shot. If it, if it is the lost art, Keon Brooks found it uh, because he, he loves that shot. And, you know, I, I saw a lot of people making reference. You may have referenced it. I know a lot of people have referenced that he was he put on his best Goose Givens impersonation in that game as a as a zone buster, kind of sitting in the middle of that zone, right there. You know, base mid range baseline and at the top of the key. I mean, at the uh, free throw line, uh, and he's great at that. You know, he, he I think he is good enough at that that it it is worthy of keeping in the uh, arsenal because you know you have some three point shooters. You know you have an inside presence. You know you have a point guard who can drive it. And and now you have this other thing that you know he's really pretty good at, and Oscar from time to time is pretty good at. And I think Bill Self referenced that after the game. You know, he said <laughs> if you told me that Oscar and Keon were going to take seven, you know, mid range jump shots apiece, I think I would have taken that. And and it ended up shooting them right out of the game. Uh, a couple of th- with the with the analytic debate. I always I, I understand it, and, and I uh, enjoy. You know, I think you can get some real illumination from numbers and it can you know help you find some things that uh, maybe you're you're missing um but i think sometimes you can get people can get a little too wrapped up 
into uh, the numbers and not just kind of you know, look at what you're, you're seeing or look at the things that can't be measured. And it's all a big lead up to say a couple of things. The best shot to take is one you can make uh, at a yep. high enough percentage. Uh, Keon is shooting 53% on twos, 23% on threes. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I understand if you're, you know, you're one step away from the three point line, that's uh, really not a, a good shot. Uh, but if you're at, you know, 12 to 15 feet and you're making a high percentage of those that's probably what you should be shooting yeah and i need to i need to go look at that because i do i i totally understand kentucky fan frustration with the two-pointer from one step inside the three-point line yes. and that that has been an issue for a while but i i really do feel like it's it's largely been eliminated and now the two-point jump shots they're taking are the ones that we saw um, in the Kansas game, and and yeah, the best shot is the open one that you can make. You know, I mean, look, Kellen Grady hit some high degree of difficulty three pointers, and that's awesome that he can do that because he's he's showing me some stuff too. He did a couple things in that Kansas game that really uh, really caught my eye, turned my head. But uh, you know, you, you don't want to be always taking difficult shots, um, uh, contested shots, and what the defense was giving Kentucky on that night was what. Keon Brooks is really good at so it was it was pretty wild to see I I, I was sort of aghast like how is he doing this I'm, where is this coming from uh, and just in general as a as a team performance that that they from start to finish just dropped the hammer on Kansas in, in Allen Fieldhouse where they had only lost 15 games in 19 years under Bill Self uh, and they do not get blown out I mean they very, very, very rarely, if they lose, very rarely get blown out, and certainly not at home. It was uh, it was a big announcement in a lot on a lot of fronts. I think it let everybody know that that Kentucky is absolutely a contender. I think people have been wondering that, you know, because we had these hard to judge performances at, at LSU and Auburn, where they I think they very well could have and probably would have won if healthy. They weren't healthy, so they lost, and so you had these near misses or what ifs. You needed to see no more what if, like just be everybody be available and play your best game and let's see what Kentucky is. And what Kentucky is to me is clearly now a contender. Oh, absolutely. And uh, to, to win that way. And it makes the case, it, it just uh, strengthens the case of um, that if you're on the Kentucky side, you should have won at LSU. You could have won at Auburn. Um, those were valid points to make that you played the LSU game without Wheeler and later without Washington. You played the Auburn game, most of it without Washington. Uh, but if you don't ever get the big win, the head-turning win, then that uh, argument carries a little less weight. Now it just strengthens it that after you play a game like this at full strength, then you can uh, more uh, with more validity talk about what you might have done at LSU and Auburn. Yeah, and I think you know, I think that could be potentially be useful uh, to them. I mean, look, if they're playing like they played at Kansas the rest of the season, it's not going to matter a whole lot—a seed line or two in the tournament. Like, yeah. <laughs> if they if they are what we saw at Kansas, it doesn't matter. They're they're good enough to to go to the Final Four and beyond. But I think if you're if you're talking about seeding and, and if you're talking about or thinking about wanting the committee to give you a benefit of the doubt. Um, yeah, I think when you validate that, if you, you know, if they go win at Alabama this weekend and, and things like that, if they just keep doing it, if they keep being this team at full strength that is, is, you know, b- 
beat North Carolina by 28 and Tennessee by 20 or 29 and Tennessee by 28 and win at Kansas by 18. If you go win at Alabama, which is a weird team, but they've beaten all the top teams they've played, um, you know, then it does back up the fact. I think you're exactly right. It, it, it really does lend credibility to, hey, if, if we are full strength, we probably win those games. And so I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you knock Kentucky for those losses so much, um, based on what we've seen otherwise. And, and, and I do think it's really unfortunate that we didn't get to see them, especially the Auburn game, finish that game healthy. Uh, just to see, you know, just to see. I, I think Auburn would have still slugged it out with them too, but but Kentucky looked fantastic until Ty Ty got hurt, and I and I wonder too if they win if they win the LSU and Auburn games if they're healthy and they win both of those and still do what they did at Kansas, they're probably number one this morning, uh, oh, yeah. you know, it, or, or certainly in the conversation. You know, to your point about uh, you know what could the discussions that could happen in the uh, you know, committee room when you're evaluating teams for a one seed. Um, it's noteworthy what you're saying because of all the teams that are in contention at the moment, um, Kentucky has the most losses at four. You know, Gonzaga's two, Baylor's three, Arizona's two, Houston's two, Auburn's one, Purdue's three. Um, so that, uh, that could be uh, noteworthy when it gets to a discussion time uh, a few Sundays down the road. Right now, we'll get to a quick break here and come back with more with Kyle Tucker at theathletic.com, which is where you can go to read the story that we were talking about uh, with Keon Brooks' dad. And uh, it's a great time to subscribe to The Athletic because there's going to be some fantastic comment, content heading down the road to March Madness. We'll be right back on the Lynch Report. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, chatting with Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Uh, last week, The uh, Athletic polled their college, some of their college basketball writers. Kyle, uh, I can't remember if you were one of the, the voters in this or not. You can let us know. I but, was. Uh, okay, good. Uh, that... Uh, on the player of the year race and um oscar was second uh but he the runaway leader was johnny davis of wisconsin he got eight of the 12 first place votes then uh oscar had the second most points but players two through five each had one first place vote um oscar certainly uh moved well past abaji with the the performances the two of them had on saturday night at least for the moment um how uh how strong is uh, how strong are Oscar's chances of winning National Player of the Year? I think. I mean, to me, after last week, he's the front runner. Uh, you know, different people will will have different opinions on that. I don't know that it, that's a unanimous opinion yet, but I think it's a growing one. And, and our staff voted before last week, where he had a tw- the first twenty twenty game uh, uh, of his of his career um, uh, against Mississippi State, and then he goes, you know. We, we've talked so much about Keon, and he was so – it was just so stunning what Keon did. But Oscar was dominant in the Kansas game. He played incredible defense. He completely altered everything that Kansas wanted to do. And he, and he you know, he had 17 points, 14 rebounds, four steals, and it was like, oh, yeah, of course he did. Like, it was kind of a ho-hum performance by Oscar because we expect just a totally obscene stat lines from him. Now and yeah, I think he's moved into. I think he's moved into 
you know, major contender status for national player of the year. I think people had sort of remained a little skeptical about Oscar and, you know, is he a, a one trick pony as a rebounder? He's, he's so much more than that. But, but even, even if he wasn't, his, his rebounding alone is so impactful uh, on the game. I mean, he had that clip the other night where he, uh, he, he, it was like three on one in the paint with Kansas and he kept missing and getting his own rebound until he finally finished over those guys. And that, you know, there's nobody else in the country that's doing that. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, you doing what I do. You think of the best line, uh, too late. Sometimes I should have said it was a, it was a, you know, three on one mismatch in favor of Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, that not, not many people are at an advantage against three guys, but you know, I, I remember you go all the way back to the first game of the season against Duke. And that's another, I think, another thing really in his favor is look at look at what he's done. It's not just cleaning up against you know the worst teams they play. You know, every every good team they've played, he's he's delivered. And and going back to that very first game against Duke, he's playing one of the biggest and and best front courts in America, and he gets twenty rebounds. And it was just astounding to watch him rebound that night. Um, and he's done that. Every night, that the consistency makes him a contender as well. I mean, if you're a random, you know, person tuning in to Oscar for the first time or just dropping in on him throughout the season, you're not going to see him play a bad game. You know, it's degrees of good. He has really not been like totally off or totally unproductive on any night this season. And most nights, he has at least one thing he's done where you go, "Wow, he is a monster down there." And, and coaches, um, you know, just love consistency. Uh, Pratt will always talk about it. What can you pencil in for a guy? You like to be able to have a, a good idea of what you can count on going into a game. And with Oscar, you can certainly pencil in probably, you know, you'd write in what, maybe 12 rebounds, uh, 10 and 12 conservatively, and you can feel very high level of confidence you're going to get that. Yeah, it's it for for a team that had no post presence a year ago, you know, and I wrote, uh, I, I did another story last week with my uh, uh, colleague, CJ, who covers Kansas. He's kind of a film guy. We went through and just did the analytics and the video and all of it of just what, what makes Oscar Oscar, what makes him so impactful, and just trying to look at the the actual impact. And going into the Kansas game, it was like they'd scored like an additional 120 points this season on, on just possessions Oscar has extended. Um and yeah, for a team that that had no post presence last year, he was the thing they lacked, and he knew that when he was kind of pining to be at Kentucky, watching them in that first half of last season. They got off to a one and six start. He was, he said to me, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like that should be me. I should be their their big guy that they need. Being able to count on him, just absolutely, as you said, absolutely with almost certainty, he's going to have a you know he's going to be a double double. Um, you know, he's what 15 or 16 double doubles now in 21 games is a, an incredible luxury for a coach. I mean, you can focus on a lot of other things when you know one thing is squared away, absolutely squared away. That's, uh, and, and Kentucky's got a few things squared away now. You know, going back to them as a contender, I'm wondering, you know, look around the country. I, I don't know if Kentucky has that just like take over the game superstar who's going to drop you know, 40 points on any given night. But I don't know who's more balanced, um, who has fewer holes in their, you know, across the board than Kentucky. And I think the, the, the rise of Keon and Jacob really solidifying that somebody 
you talk about what can you count on, that somebody's going to give you production out of the four or both of them combined are going to give you really good production out of the four. You knew you felt good about point guard. You knew you felt good about tie tie. You, you know, you know, you know, you have the SEC's best three point shooter in, in Kellen Grady. You know what Oscar's going to give you. And now you can feel with relative certainty that somebody or the com- combination of, of Toppin and Brooks at the four is going to be productive. I don't know how many teams in America right now are as, as all around balanced as they are. There's a lot of things Kentucky can count on these days. Well, I mentioned this to, to Mark's story earlier. Keon became the fourth different player to score 25 or more in a game. And that list for Kentucky this season, that list does not include the SEC's best three-point shooter in Kellen Grady and last season's leading scorer in Davion Mintz. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. There, you, you cannot tell me that Kellen Grady couldn't get you 25 if you, absolutely. If you, you asked him to. Uh, yeah, you so, got to feel know, that game's coming got, somewhere, and there could be one of those for Mints at some point. Somebody gets into foul. Yeah, you've definitely got at least five guys who can give can can get twenty five, and that's that's pretty remarkable. Kyle Tucker, thank you much. Thank you. You read them at theAthletic.com dot com, and uh, just uh, churning out great content. So, good time to subscribe. We'll be right back to close out this edition of the Lynch Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Happy birthdays to former Wildcats. Rick Roby celebrated a birthday yesterday and uh, ditto for Josh Carrier. So happy birthday to both. Uh, to both. Uh, congrats to the Owen County girls and the Pikeville boys for winning all A state championships uh, over the weekend in Richmond. So you note uh, that it's for Owen County, uh, it's their first ever team state championship. So that's uh, really cool for uh, the ladies at Owen County High School. Uh, Shuffle Bean Coffee is the official coffee of Rupp Arena and the KFC Yum Center. And it is a company that is based in Kentucky, and they are all about being the best, just like the coaches for the cats. Starts with the best coffee beans for Shuffle Bean, and it comes out of this rich volcanic soil down in Costa Rica. Then when you brew it up, you're going to smell the uh, aroma of Shuffle Bean Coffee and then taste it, and you're going to love it. So pick some up. Through their website, shufflebean.us, through Amazon Prime. If you're in central Kentucky at Meyer stores, you can find Shufflebean Coffee. You are going to love it. Uh, glad to see the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes is getting returned to grade one status for Keeneland. And uh, congrats to UK Gymnastics. Took down number 10, Missouri, on Saturday. That will do it for us. Uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, we'll have uh, Kent Spencer. We'll have uh, Larry Vaught. And we'll have John Wong, who made the doubleheader of Lawrence, Kansas, and then Kansas City, covering the Cats and the Bengals. We'll talk about all of that tomorrow on the Leach Report. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, return, refresh, and refuel. Clark's Pump and Thanks Shop. for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for